hello and welcome to episode 31 of Game of Wines, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I'm Olivia. And I'm Chris. Today we will be discussing Sansa Chapter 2 in A Game of Thrones, so make sure you have read before listening. Gabby is still out of town, so we again this week have Emily and Christian. So thank you for joining us for a second episode. Say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Hello. Awesome. The news that we have for today, um, this is from Fansided again. Um, and they're just, they went on, uh, apparently there's a holding company that is basically in charge of all of George R. R. Martin's uh, productions that he's made, all of his books and the rights to them. Um, and it was uh, the executive producers for Game of Thrones, Vince Gerardis is one of them. Um, he is the one that runs the company. And so they basically dove into the company's website on this article and said that there were some interesting other projects other than the ones that we're talking about. So obviously we have House of the Dragon and we have like Duncan Egg and there's some other stuff that's coming out that George R. R. Martin is going to do by himself um, that's outside of Westeros. Uh, but they've... Uh, a couple things kind of caught their eye on here that they think might be some other projects. Um, on their website, it says that they have uh, two, a couple things. So one is called A Wild Card Show. I've talked about that a few times. The Wild Card Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is called uh, The Ice Dragon, which is supposedly supposed to be um, set in Westeros, and Warner Brothers is making it into an animated movie. That would be cool. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, and then they saw something on there called A Song of Ice and Fire, and it doesn't give any explanation. Um, and it all it says is that it's developed by a company called The Works, and they put it in quotations, The Works. Huh. So they're kind of like, I mean... They're fans, being secretive. Yeah, well, the company is, um, maybe it doesn't, they don't know what it is yet or what, but um, I think it's pretty interesting. Like, I mean, fan-sided kind of went down, as they said in their words, you know, put on full tinfoil hat mode and try to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're trying to figure out what this could possibly be, whether it's like maybe an animated series or something that uh, could be in development. So this just sounded some some news. It's nothing new, but it's just some, you know, they dug in a little bit to a company that uh, that owns the rights to some George R. R. Martin stuff. That's exciting. Yeah. So maybe there's some other stuff coming down the pipe other than the ones we know of. Cool. So the Martin message today, um, he had another story leak about him and his works. Um, He says that his work Sand Kings was the story he was best known for before Song of Ice and Fire. And um, it actually won three awards, the Hugo, Nebula, and Locust. He said it was his only triple crown. Um, Mm. It has been anthologized and reprinted more times than he could count. He said it was filmed once before as a two-hour premiere episode of the revived Outer Limits show. But the book Sand Kings is going to be coming to a movie rather than a television episode. The director for it is going to be Gore Verbinski. Uh, He actually directed movies such as Rango, The Ring, Pirates of the Caribbean, and many other films. I like Rango. So, and I love Pirates of the Caribbean. It's going to be very cool. Uh, that's interesting. So, yeah, he said that's coming to a movie soon and kind of went into detail about it. He also, you know, you just heard Chris um, mention the Ice Dragon. He put it in here that it's an animated feature in development at Warner's. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then he goes on to talk about more about like road marks that we talked about before. Yeah, that was in the news last week. Yep. And then he said, there's something called Friends Forever. It's going to be a short film, probably about 20 minutes long. Um, he said it's a labor of, labor of love that we that he hopes all of us will love just as much as he does. Um, he said it will happen if the pandemic ever allows it. If not for COVID, we would have shot it already. Hmm. Um, and he kind of ends his post by saying... He has a lot of stuff on his plate. He knows he needs to finish Winds of Winter. And then he wants to write another Duncan Ed novella, egg novella, before getting into a different series. Another novella. Yes. And then he ends it by saying, once more into the breach, dear friends, Westeros beckons. Hmm. So he's working. Right. He's working on it. Right. But yeah, I'm Give kind of excited. Of I'm excited to see some of his stuff other than Game of Thrones, too. Yeah, it'd be I think it'll be interesting. Yeah. For sure. Uh, so, we have some reader-listener answers. Uh, Aunt Katie, uh, luckily, she answered our questions this week. Mm-hmm. She's the only one. But, um, so, <laughs> okay. the first question that we had was, Catelyn suggested going to see her father and her sister for counsel. Why do you think she suggested this? Uh, Aunt Katie said, uh, why did Catelyn suggest going to Ned and her sister for counseling? I was confused by this. Leaving three kids home and knowing someone is trying to kill Bran, duh, she's scared. Um, in shock and needs mental help, but not just counseling. Uh, not a good move. I, I agree. agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the second question was, how do you think Kat is feeling undercover at an inn that she's visited often as a child? Um, and she said, I think she thought it would feel comfortable and familiar at first, like when she was a child, but it didn't. And she had to hide in plain sight, but I think she did feel at home when she needed uh, when she needed, and found help in all the patrons with fe- fealty toward her father, the Tullys. Mm-hmm. The third and final question is: um, What do you think the consequences of Catelyn seizing Tyrion will be, and what's her plan from here? She said that uh, she wants revenge, but I think Tyrion is smarter than Catelyn. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Um, and she will be caught and suffer for this, at least. I, mm. Yeah, I think that could possibly... I can possibly, see that. Uh, it is another bad impulse decision. I agree. She, That's what yeah, I, I was going to say, she's being very impulsive yeah. right now. Yeah. Understandable, but still. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you for answering our questions, Aunt Katie. <laughs> Last episode, Catelyn was traveling to Winterfell. On the way, she stopped at an inn where she ran into Tyrion Lannister... And then she actually ends up arresting Tyrion because she believes he organized the attempted murder of her son. Today, however, we are watching the tourney, uh, the tourney of the hand, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with Sansa, and we meet a lot of different characters, a lot of different knights, um, and we learn a lot of new things, and we learn the story of the hound is told Ooh. to Sansa. So, mm-hmm. nice. By the hound himself. Noice. Our wine today, I think this fits Sansa very, very well. It's called Flirty Bird. Flirty Bird, Flirty Bird. Because she's going to be called Little Bird a lot, especially by the hound. Mm-hmm. Calls her Little Bird, and she's being kind of flirty. <laughs> she is. She always is, but you know. All right, you pour. I'm going to read our eighth wine rule from the New Wine Rules book by John Bonet. Um, this one says it's not. It's really not hard to open wine like a pro. 
And then he lists eight simple steps to opening a bottle of wine. So step number one, you need to place the bottle on a stable surface about waist height. Um, and then you're gonna open it at or near the table if you can, because people like to watch. Ah. Number two is to cut the foil um, on the top of the bottle around the top or bottom lip using a knife or the cutter in a corkscrew. He was very specific about that. Step number three, insert the screw at a partial angle, which may seem odd, but it's the best way to ensure it goes in properly. Step number four, once you have the corkscrew in, the bottle shouldn't move, only the opener. So don't move the bottle, move the opener. <laughs> Unless you're opening sparkling wine. In that case, um, it says to see page 28. So I'm assuming that's another rule, which we will discuss next week. Yep. Mystery. So after these corkscrew is in, turn until the screw is a half turn short of fully inserted. And then bring it upright as you turn. Step number five. Place the first lever on the bottle lip. Pull up and then place the second lever on the lip. Step number six. Pull upward until the cork is nearly extracted. Step number seven. Gently remove the cork using your hand if needed. And then step number eight. Twi twist corkscrew back off the screw. And then finally, pour yourself a glass of wine. I feel like I've like done all that. I just probably haven't been doing it right. Right. You know? Me too. Like I do it. I just did it all right for that bottle that we were drinking right now. Oh, I yeah? watched. Yeah. I'm amazed. Dead did on. you really? Chris has quality. Oh. <laughs> Not, <laughs> even Not even close. Not even close. I'm just too good. Oh boy. All right. The wine is pretty good. Is it? Try? I, know, I haven't tried it yet. Ooh. I was busy reading our wine rule. Yeah. It tastes flirty. Mm. Like a flirty bird. Like a flirty bird. <laughs> oh, Santa. Oh, Santa. <laughs> All right. So the day of the hands tourney has finally come. Woo! -woo, -woo. All right. Sansa traveled to the tourney. Woo! I'm being Ned. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Sansa traveled to the tourney with Septa Mordain and her friend Jane Poole. As they passed the city walls, Sansa saw hundreds of pavilions near the river and thousands of people who came to watch the games crowded the area. Sansa was in, <clears throat> sorry. Sansa was in, in awe by the sight of it all, and she said it was better than the songs. Sansa arrived, and then she found her place to watch the games where her dad promised, and it was amongst all the high lords and ladies. And she was dressed beautifully in a green gown that brought out the auburn in her hair. And she knew everyone was looking at her, and she was living for it. <laughs> and we know Sansa loves all things fancy. Mm -hmm. She, This is just her thing. So she is living her life. So the procession of the knights started, um, and they were processing into the area of the tourney. She was most excited, excited for this, stating each knight was more fabulous than the next. Here comes the flirty bird. Fabulous. <laughs> fabulous. All right, so the first were the seven knights of the King's Guard. Um, they were all dressed in pure white, except for Jamie Lannister. He was dressed in all gold armor, even with a lion's head helmet and a golden sword. And then he had a white cloak. And I said, damn, that's a lot of gold. <laughs> He's just... <laughs> he has to be different. He does. He's not know? very effective. Yeah, right? <laughs> 
Next came Sir Gregor Clegane, a.k.a. The Mountain That Rides, a.k.a. The Mountain. And Sansa said that he sounded like he thundered past them like an avalanche. Yeah, so, isn't he riding like a massive horse? Yeah, yeah. he's just... And I'm so going like to talk about him. I'm going to describe him. You'll see why it was like an avalanche and why he's called the mountain. So remember, we have already met a Clegane, Sandor Clegane, who protects Prince Joffrey, a.k.a. the Hound. Um, and these two Cleganes happen to be brothers. Now, Chris is going to go into House Clegane um, when he talks, but I just want to read you a description from the wiki of Gregor because he's just... <laughs> an insane human being, if you can even call him human. So, um, Sir Gregor Clegane is known for his size, cruelty, and prowess in battle. He is almost eight feet in height and weighs about 420 pounds, which is all nearly pure muscle, which makes him inhumanly strong. Damn. Okay? He's like an NFL... Lineman. Yeah, he's just insane. But two of them put but together. Two of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, his strength allows him to wield a six-foot, two-handed greatsword with just one hand. Oh, my God. Which gives him enormous reach while still being able to wield a shield. Okay. Okay? <laughs> um, such is the power of his strength that he has been known to hack men in half with just a single blow. Like Mad bro? Six-foot sword, like... Like six like feet. Chris's like height. Chris's yeah. height of a so sword. My height sword length. And it's a sword that normally requires two hands. Oh my god. But he can do it with one. He can do it with one. I'm yeah? just imagine holding Chris. <laughs> <laughs> just swinging Chris yeah. around. I am sword. I am sword. I am sword. <laughs> um, Jamie, who is known for his great battle and fighting abilities, said he is one of the strongest men in Westeros. His voice sounds like stone breaking. Um, in battle, this is what he wears. He wears the heaviest, thickest plate armor in the Seven Kingdoms. His armor is so heavy that not an, an ordinary man would not be able to move if he had it on, let alone fight effectively while wearing it. Um, this makes him almost invincible while he's fighting. <laughs> so he can wield a six-foot sword and wear this metal and move in it. Making him invincible. Well, you gotta think about it. His arm is probably like, what, three feet, four feet long? I don't even three, know. Probably three feet long. Uh-huh. 80 plus pounds. A, yeah, plus a six-foot sword. So that was a term about the reach. <laughs> oh, my God. It doesn't have to be anywhere near you That's to like kill you. That's like 10 feet. Yeah, he has doesn't yeah. mean nowhere near you to kill you. Jeez. 10 feet away, he's got cut you in it, sliced you completely in half. That's just insane. So why do you even need the armor? Right. <laughs> <laughs> just hold your arm straight. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Just, boom. <laughs> Uh, below his plate, he wears chainmail and boiled leather. He also wears a plate helm with only a narrow slit for vision. So it's like a little like mail slot. <laughs> That's uh, how he beat him. Right. <laughs> um, and on top of this is a stone fist punching upwards to the sky. That's on his helmet. So that's like what's on his helmet. Like. And like emblazoned on his helmet. Yeah. yeah. Just a, a fist. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> he also carries a thick oaken shield um, bearing the three black dogs of House Clegane on a yellow field. So he's just an insanely massive person. He's a mountain. Yes. That's why he's called the mountain. Yeah. 
Because he can kill he's someone. A, he's a mountain. Yes. There you go. Yes. <clears throat> All right. So back to the procession of the knights. Uh, next comes Lord Jan Royce. And remember, we met a Royce in the prequel. Mm-hmm. Weimar Royce. Mm-hmm. And Joran, or I'm sorry, Jan is the father of Weimar Royce from the prequel. So... Mm-hmm. Sansa remembered Lord Jan Royce uh, from when he was a guest at Winterfell two years ago. He was wearing armor that was bronze and thousands of years old engraved with magic runes that ward him from any harm. I thought that was kind of cool. He is known as the Lord of Runestone and is the head of the senior branch of House Royce. His face is lined and he has gray hair, gray eyes, and bushy eyebrows. He is as tall as Sandor Clegane and has large gnarled hands. So Sandor Clegane's like what? He's pretty tall. He's, he's like seven foot. Yeah. I thought they said eight foot. No, that's Gregor. Oh, Gregor. Sandor is the hound. Quick question, just side note. Yeah. Um, so this Weimar Royce's dad. Jan Royce, yeah. Um, and he wears something that keeps him from harm. Uh huh. Why wasn't Weimar wearing that? That's a very good question. That might have helped. <laughs> That's a very good question. Weimar's I, I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Super dead. <laughs> <laughs> because the runes run in the family. Right. It protects yeah. them from any harm. Like, I have them. You're going over there. But that's a good point, though. If it's like a family thing. Yeah. I yeah. think he would have them. You know? Yeah. They've got magic, okay? That's all he needs. Magic can help. <laughs> um, so, Jan is a proud and formidable man with a booming voice, but the noble lord can also be solemn and quiet. He is a tourney knight who dons a set of bronze armor while competing, which I already talked about. So, yeah, that's Jan Royce. Next comes Lord Jason Malister, and he has an indigo and silver armor with eagle wings on his helmet. And we just talked about the Malisters in Catlin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We saw them. Mm-hmm. They are the Bannermen to House Tully, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Then comes Thoros of Mir? Mir? Mir. Mir. And he is the warrior priest. He is a red priest of Rolor from the free city of Mir. I'm not out. Is that right? Mir? Mir. Mir. Yeah. I don't know why I can't say that. It's Mir. And he is a member of King Robert Baratheon's court at King's Landing. He is described as a tall, fat man in flapping red robes. <laughs> he shaves his head and has a smooth face. And it said in the book that the girls kind of giggled at his appearance as he rode by. Because <laughs> he's not as great as like the mountain or jamie or you know Tom's not dreamy he's terrifying though yeah but he they were in awe of him okay <laughs> i wouldn't laugh at the mountain no i would laugh <laughs> so next in the procession were a bunch of knights that sansa did not recognize or know they were hedge knights from the fingers and high garden free riders and new squires young sons of high lords and ladies um and then there was a little side comment by jane pool that i thought was funny she said she was frightened when a young prince rode by. His name was Jalabar Zoe. But when she saw the young Lord Beric Dundarian ride by with half his face slashed by lightning, she said she would be willing to marry him instantly. Jeez. So, uh, okay, whatever. <laughs> weird taste. Yeah. The tourney begins, and it says the jousting lasted all day. The book says that Jane Poole would scream when the knights collided and would cover her eyes when a man fell. But Sansa knew that that was not how a lady was supposed to act. At a Good tourney. on you, Sansa. And Septimordain said that she was made of sterner stuff. She's Ain't from the that Noah. the damn truth? She's from the Noah. It's like you see like the tough side of her in this. Yes, yeah. she's exactly. Different. It is different because she's always been like, 
I don't know. No. Just into pretty things and like she wants like everything fuzzy. nice and yes. I feel like that's some good foreshadowing right there. It is. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind for my friends that have not mm-hmm. read or seen the show or anything because yes. <clears throat> the book said that Jamie Lannister performed brilliantly. He defeated, defeated Sir Barristan Selmy who had already unhorsed two men 30 and 40 years younger than himself. The Cleganes also seemed like they were unstoppable. Sir Gregor's second joust, his lance rides up and impales Sir Hugh of the Vale in the neck, killing him. Um, And Sir Hugh falls not ten feet from Sansa. Jane Poole was so disturbed by this that she couldn't stop crying, which forced Septa Mordain to take her away to regain her composure, but she never returns. Sansa is astonished to be finding herself unmoved by this death Hmm. until she realized that there will be no songs sung of Sir Hugh. So she was a little bothered by that. Mm -hmm. And then another bunch of joustings took place, but it all came down to the final four. Sandor and Gregor Clegane, Jaime Lannister, and Sir Loras Tyrell, known as the Knight of Flowers. Mm -hmm. Yes. So let's talk about Sir Loras. <clears throat> he was the youngest son of Mace Tyrell, who was Lord of Highgarden and Warden of the South. He's very young. He's only 16. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the youngest rider there, but despite that, he had already unhorsed three knights of the King's Guard that morning in his first three jousts. So he's won all of them. Have we talked about Sir Loras yet? <clears throat> no. I know, I, I know, I'm so. wondering if this was the first time I we mentioned him. I think this yeah, is the first, the first time, time we're mentioning him. So this is a new house, right? Mm-hmm. Tyrell's. Okay. Um, so Sansa sees him, and she goes, she's never seen anyone so beautiful. Okay. <laughs> He's well adorned. More f- beautiful than her, her than beloved her. Joffrey? At least right now. Oh my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> um, he's well adorned in flowers and bouquets. He, So I guess he kind of looks just like your typical knight in shining armor. Mm-hmm. Um, after each victory... He'd take a flower from the blanket of white and red oh. roses on his horse and toss it to a fair maiden. Oh, swoon. Blech. So, this exactly. This all class. Uh-huh. And can I say, I don't know if people know this, but um, House Tyrell, their sigil is a golden rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is why he's called the Knight of Flowers. And that's probably why he throws flowers at fair maidens. That would make sense. Also, because yes. it's it's pretty good. He's got his game on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's good got good game. He knows how to yeah. win them all. That's confidence right there. Yes, it is. <laughs> Um, so he had just beaten Sir Royce Robar, who was being carried away off the field. But Sansa never saw this. Her eyes were only for Sir, L- Sir Loras. Oh. Oh, he stopped in front of her, and she thought her heart would burst. Oh my goodness. No. Okay, so he gave her a red rose, and she notes everyone else had gotten white ones. Oh, She's special. Sansa! She's special. <laughs> and he goes, sweet lady, no victory is half so beautiful as you. Swoon! Swoon! Hence, flirty bird. Flirty bird. <laughs> so Sansa's clearly enjoying the view. We get a little description of him. His hair was a mass of lazy brown curls, and his eyes like liquid gold. Ow, ow. I know. So then amidst all this, <laughs> you know, we've got, you know, this beautiful man. And then Peter Baelish <laughs> comes oh, up to her. little finger. Yes. So she doesn't recognize him, obviously. She's never met him before. Um, so he's just looking at her and he says, ah, oh, he must be one of her daughters. You have the Tully look. So he's clearly talking about Catelyn. Mm-hmm. Um, Septa Mordain quickly introduces them. 
And Baelish says, your mother was my queen of beauty once. You have her hair. And then he strokes her hair and then turns and walks away. Like, I just thought that was really creepy. That is That's creepy. Really like, creepy. I don't know how I would feel if I were her. Yeah. An old man doing this to, like, a 12-year-old girl. I don't, yeah. girl. No, I don't and know you, sir. She's never she's met. She's never met. Right. Like, ew, right. get away from me. I like, he just touches, strokes her <laughs> hair weird. and then walks away. Like, can you imagine? Ah, uh, swoon. And then, like, some old creaky guy. <laughs> your mom was hot. Moment. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Your mom, your mom yeah. was Everybody's hot. shooting their shot here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> so... Mix of emotions there. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, so it was getting late, so they moved the rest of the matches to the morning. And so then they moved to the riverside to begin the feast. Sansa and Septimordain got to sit next to the king and Cersei, and then Joffrey sat next to her. She kind of felt her throat tighten. She was pretty nervous because he hadn't spoken to her since the awful thing had happened. Um, so she's not really sure where he's at. At first... She was mad at Joffrey for what happened to Lady, but then I guess she convinced herself that she should be mad at the Queen, which, you know, she's not wrong. And then Arya as well. And then she goes, nothing bad would have happened if it wasn't for Arya. Um, poor Arya. She gets I, all the blame for this. You know, she's yeah. just trying to defend And then apparently, her. right, right. And then apparently Joffrey can't do any wrong in her eyes. Blech. So she could not hate Joffrey tonight, she decided. He was too beautiful to hate. Oh, so now we're back on the Joffrey train. We're back on the Joffrey train. Yep. So forget Sir Lord, you know. (coughs) Anyway, she's nervous because she doesn't know quite what side of Joffrey she's going to get. Is he going to be hateful? Is he going to ignore her? Is he going to be nice? And then she sees him smile and he kisses her hand and says, Sir Loris has a keen eye for beauty, sweet lady. And I don't know, I kind of wonder if he's jealous. Yeah, like, yeah I the fact guaranteed. That, yeah. Like, you know that, that term, like, pissing on your man? Yeah. Like, if some girl, like, is flirting with you and you come up and just, like, right. make out with them in front of her, that's what he was that's doing. What he's yeah. doing. Yeah. You know? So he's being all nice to her to kind of be, like... Marking his territory. Exactly. For sure. Exactly. He doesn't mean anything he says. Nope. No. So they're at this big old feast now, mm-hmm. um, uh, in the intermission of the jousts and fights, um, and the night goes on. And uh, Sansa is actually pretty drunk on the magic of the night, apparently. Um, <laughs> there, was wine, there was wine in front of her and offered to her, and she chose not to drink it, and she's just enjoying the night that much. She's living for the moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. she is loving it. It's so she's thing. Uh, she's enamored with everything going on, all the fancy things that she's seen. Like, uh, she got to eat snails for the first time. She's never tried snails before. Wow. Joffrey even fed her some snails. <laughs> wow. So, uh, great for 13-year-olds. Marking his territory again. Yeah. So Joffrey was being all nice and talking to her, uh, making her laugh, complimenting her, which is probably because of Sir Loras. Yeah. But um, uh, Sansa is captivated again with him. Uh, he's even feeding her exquisite food. Um, but all of a sudden, in the middle of the dessert, uh, the kings began to shout, and he was growing louder with each course. Though she couldn't understand what he was saying. But this time... Everyone Bobby B. I love Bobby B. <laughs> getting louder. <laughs> getting drunker. But at one instance, um, everybody could hear, hear him very clear. Of course. Uh, he, on his feet, yells, no. He's red-faced and drunk. He's screaming at Cersei, saying, you can't tell me what to do, woman. I am king. I rule here. And if I say that I will fight tomorrow, I will fight. Okay. Yeah. All right. Like he's tired of being a king and wants to be fighting again. Um, Cersei is just sitting there white in the face. So she gets up and storms out with her servants, trailing quickly behind. Can you just imagine Robert standing up, drunk as a hell, like, and then Cersei's just like, 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Like stern face, like straight. <laughs> so, uh, Jamie places his hand on the king's shoulder, trying to calm him down, but the king kind of mocks him and shoves him hard and saying to Jamie, I can still knock you in the dirt. Remember that, Kingslayer. That's some big <laughs> words. That's some big I, words. I mm-hmm. think that every time Jamie gets a little too cocky, he's put in his place by someone calling him Kingslayer. Yeah. Yeah, that's the... You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, right remember who you are. I understand that your sister is... Like the queen, but mm-hmm. you still killed a king, dude. Yeah. Relax. Stab the king in the back. Yeah. Shut down. Yep. And this entire time, Robert's spilling wine all over himself. <laughs> he's uh, <laughs> saying that no one can stand before him while he's belligerently drunk. Can we say that Bobby B's like Robert's drunk alter ego? Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't even say he has to be drunk. I think it's just him. He, but it's his like his it's alter his ego. Drunk name. You know it's what his aestheticism. But he's always drunk. That's exactly. True. <laughs> he's always Bobby B. He's so he's always Bobby, Bobby B. B. And sometimes, sometimes Robert. Robert. <laughs> so at this point, Joffrey uh, offers Sansa an escort back to her room, uh, saying it's late. But he had a weird look at, on his face, as if he were not seeing her at all, which I found kind of weird. Mm. Like, what um, do you mean by that? Like, he was like kind of just like the book stated. Smiling, yeah, the book stated saying. that she was like he was like looking through her, through oh. her, like not looking at her. Like, why. he knew that he was supposed to do it. But he didn't, but want, didn't to. want to, to do it. To me, it sounded like he had other plans. Like, he was yeah. like, oh, this might be my chance. And oh. everything. Like, I am now seeing you as an object, and that is uh, Like, he won her back over, and now he's like, okay, she's mine again. I don't care anymore. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. And she was hesitant at first, but she chose yes, because um, <laughs> Septa Mordain was passed out drunk on the table. <laughs> um, so she takes him up. Septa, come on, girl. Oh, she's out. She's supposed to be like a role model oh, for them. <laughs> Sansa's like, yeah, I'll take it. So just as soon as Sansa thinks that Joffrey's going to walk her back, he yells out, dog. <laughs> <laughs> right? So Sandor um, appeared in the night wearing, uh, he had gotten rid of all of his armor that he was wearing, and now he's wearing a red tunic with a sigil of the dog on it. Uh, and Joffrey goes, make sure no harm becomes of my betrothed. He's, she's as her betrothed he, now. Yeah, as my betrothed, so not even, you know. That's who I've got to marry. Um, and Joffrey just walks off. And Sandor looks at her at Sansa and kind of laughs. He goes, did you really think Joff was going to take you himself? Okay. Um, so Sansa, Sansa, really scared, even by the look of Sandor, um, tries to wake Septimordain, who could not be moved. <laughs> So she's out, out. Um, so King Robert had actually left at this point, and the benches were beginning to clear. Um, and so Sandor and Sansa began to walk to the keep. Sandor grabs a torch, um, and it's like dead quiet while they're walking. Um, he has nothing to say to her. She has nothing to say to him. <laughs> but like in her head, she goes, she's like, I can't stand the sight of him. But a lady would not look at the sight of him. She would look at him. Mm. And so I think that's kind of noble when she says that in her head. Yeah. She's got honorable So moments. she's like, I need to say something to him. So she goes, you rode well today, Sandor. And Clegane uh, shook off her compliment and kind of spat at the idea of the other knights and stuff. And he goes, knights are just, I spit at them like they're, they're nothing, you know. Just curse them and curse their vows and all that. Um, and he goes, did you see my brother ride today? And she goes, oh, he was gallant. <laughs> okay. Um, and, More like a avalanche. <laughs> and Sandor mocked her and said, 
Um, oh, because no one could withstand him. Um, so I want to go into a little bit of what House Clegane is. Um, so from the wiki here, I'm going to read straight from it. So House Clegane is actually um, a house of landed knights in the Westerlands, and they have fealty to the Lannisters of Castle Rock. Um, and they are like the primary bannermen of House Lannister. Um, and this is kind of cool. So we know that their sigil is the dogs, right? <laughs> so the first Clegane of House Clegane was actually a kennel master at Castle Rock. Mm. During one autumn, he saved one of the High Lannisters from a lioness um, by sicking his three dogs on them, and he lost three dogs. Tidos Lannister was the guy's name, and he awarded them with their own house and their own wow. like keep. Uh-huh. Okay. That's so very then cool. <laughs> that kennel master, his son, is the father of um, Gregor and Sandor. So the Clegane house is kind of like a newer house. It's, yeah, it's like brand new. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it's only, what, that's three generations? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, they did apparently have a sister, Gregor and Sandor, and she died at a young age under queer circumstances, it says. Hmm. <clears throat> and I'm going to talk about Gregor for a second. I'm going to go to the bad side of what you said. So, Gregor is known for his unspeakable cruelty. Um, so, not only is he 420 pounds of muscle and almost like He's a horrible tall, human being. But he's also a terrible person. Yeah. Great combination. Um, and yeah. it's also mirrored in his men. They do the same thing he does. So, uh, he casually commits atrocities during his campaigns, as well as his men do. Sander is driven away uh, for his behavior, and he took service in House Lannister. Um... Refusing to take the knight's vows to avoid, or uh, he got knighted by Rhaegar Targaryen um, and the heir King Ares II Targaryen. During the sack of King's Landing, Gregor actually murdered Rhaegar Targaryen's son, the infant prince. So that was a child that he murdered. That's normal. Uh, Before, (laughs) you know, totally fine. (laughs) Before he raped and murdered that child's mother. Oh my gosh. Who was the bride? Of Rhaegar Targaryen, Prince Elia Martell of House Martell, which we've talked about. Wow. How is he how is he still allowed to be a knight and like Because he's under House Lannister. So the Lannisters are the ones that are keeping him That's really messed up. And who's gonna tell him to stop? But yeah, what is he gonna do? <laughs> right. That's because what you he have does. all of these other little people that have like Who's gonna kill him? Burgled <laughs> and like murdered and yeah. raped, like they're on the wall. They have the yeah. choice of getting like like, executed or being put on the Night's Watch. Can you imagine him at the but wall, though? But he is allowed to, like... Create yeah. a crater. Yeah. But do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I don't think they would have... If he wasn't protected by House Lannister, I don't think he would have given... He would have been given the choice of execution or the Night's Watch. I think they would have just executed him. But I, I don't think, think they could have. I think people are afraid of him. Yeah. I think yeah, that's they're why afraid they're of him. him. That's true. You know what I mean? That's true, but, like... I see what still, you're like, saying, he wouldn't though, be protected yeah. like this if he weren't... Yeah. Protected by the Lannisters. Yeah. Let's be honest, he probably would do more good at the wall, but he wouldn't listen to anyone. No, he would just <laughs> F shit up. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Send him north. Yeah, exactly. Beyond the wall. Exactly. Go, go freeze up there. <laughs> so, now that we know a little bit more about House Clegane, um, so Clegane then mocked her more by saying that she was just like one of those pretty little birds from the Isles who just sang perfect little pretty little songs exactly as they were taught to recite. About like, her sister? His sister? No, about Sansa. Sorry, Sansa. back to the story. I'm sorry. Back to the story. I was confused for a second. No. My apologies. Back to the story. So he's basically commenting on the fact that Sansa was trying to be cordial and nice to him, 
And he's like, you're just like a pretty little bird that sings exactly what she's supposed to recite. You even you're like doing think, exactly what you're supposed to be yeah, doing. Exactly you were taught well to do exactly what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And she's like, that wasn't very nice. <laughs> so it's she's kind of frightened now. Um, and she's like, I want to go. See, and, she had that moment of like, she was made of stern stuff. And now right. she's crumbling at one insult from one guy. It's, it's reality, though. I know, but do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. she didn't react when a guy was... Yeah. Slain right in front of her, and yeah. now she's mm-hmm. crumbling at one little insult. Because somebody attacked her. That's true. Right. Like her that, personally. Yeah. The difference yeah. is that there's no pomp and circumstance. This is reality. That's true. Yeah. So this is when it's reality and there's nothing backing her. This so is she what can't happens. handle reality. Correct. Yeah. So Sansa uh, frightened says she wants to go. And Cle- Clegane continued saying no one could ever withstand Gregor anyways. And he goes, did you really think that the boy that he was facing today was an accident? That he accidentally killed him? He was aiming to kill him. Mm-hmm. He meant to kill that boy. So then Clegane, Sansa's like really upset. She's starting to cry. Clegane grabs her and says, look at me. Look at my face. And Clegane made her look at his burnt face. And he goes, I know that you've... You, every time you see me, you look away. You look at it. You need to see this reality. And so saw, Sansa saw that his face was badly burned. Um, where his ear was is no more. It was just a hole in the mm-hmm. side of his head. His bone was actually visible of his jaw um, and cartilage, and his skin was scarred and mangled all around his eye. But his eye was still there. And comparing it to the show... I mean, his face in the show was definitely, you could tell that it was scarred mm-hmm. from the burns and stuff, mm-hmm. but there was definitely no bone showing in there, no. so I, I appreciate the book for more detail yeah. Yeah. on what he looked like. It wasn't, because it wasn't that difficult to look at him in the show. Right, because it just looked like, you know, it just looked like he got burned, you yeah. know? But in here, he's no bone, like there's bone showing. Yeah. Anyways, I just thought it was worse sounding in the book than it looked in the show. Clegane says, no pretty words for that girl. Most people think it was some battle. The truth is actually much worse. So Clegane tells the story of how when both him and Gregor were children, Gregor's older than him, um, Gregor was about 12 at the time, is what it says, and he was already six feet tall, and he was a squire. He was already six feet tall, and Clegane just picked up one of his toys. Sandor just picked up one of his toys, which was not his. Gregor, without a word, walked over to Sandor, picked him up, and put his face into the fire that was in their room. He then held his face there while Sandor screamed and kicked and tried to get away from him, and it continued to burn his face. It took three grown men to pull Gregor off of Sandor. A 12-year-old. A 12-year-old. Because he's like a six foot tall, 12 year old. He's massive, right. But and how much do you think he weighed when he was 12? I could imagine it was probably about 250, yeah. 300 pounds. So That's crazy. Th- that alone that it took three men to, to t- get him back from burning his own brother's face off. And he was holding his face in the fire. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sandra continues with, the set to speak of seven hells. What do they know? Only someone who has been burned knows what hell is truly like. Mm. Wow. Sandor said that his father told everyone that his sheets had get caught on fire. And that the um, that they gave him ointments for his skin. So his father was covering for Gregor. Yeah, for Gregor's yeah. cruelty. Um, he goes, it's kind of funny. My brother also received ointments. 
a few years later when he was anointed with oil of the seven when he became a knight. Why would you make him a knight, right. dude? <laughs> so San, San, um, is actually like squatted in front of Sansa at this point. And it's dead quiet in front of a field. And Sansa was afraid of him. And then she became sad for him. And now she's actually feeling afraid for him. Aw. Yeah. Um, I love this. This is where their relationship starts. This is. So, I um, love that. So Sansa, being afraid for him, she puts her hand on his shoulder and said, He is no true knight. Aww. And Sandor roared so loud, he started laughing because he was drunk. <laughs> he goes, Yep, he is no true knight. Aww. <laughs> I love that. So the rest of the way into the city, they walked in silence. And anything, Sandor hailed a cart and put her in it. And it took them all the way to the keep. Um, then they then walked up the steps. Um, <clears throat> and the last thing that they said to each other... I'm going to read it from the book because it's perfect. Who is it talking? Sandor? Sansa and Sandor. Sansa and Sandor. Um, says, Sansa says, thank you, my lord. The hound caught her by the arm and leaned close. The things I told you tonight, he said, his voice sounding even rougher than usual. If you ever tell Joffrey, your sister, your father, any of them. I won't, Sansa whispered, I promise. It was not enough. If you ever tell anyone, I'll kill you. <laughs> and that's how the chapter ended. I think he said that jokingly, but like not joking. I don't think he was joking. I don't think so. <laughs> don't think so. Um, but I think he knew that she wasn't going to, but he still had to yeah. like say like this is serious. Yeah. Like yeah, drive he, it home that it's he, serious. The night was ending too nicely. Yeah. Not not for Sandor. Yeah. No. It was too, it's too comfortable. It was too comfortable. We're getting too comfortable with each other. I'm gonna kill you. So, <laughs> yeah. so the relationship between Sansa and the hound has officially started. It's blossoming. It has blossomed. Oof. <laughs> so our discussion questions that we have <clears throat> are, Sansa was surprised that she did not react when a knight was slain right in front of her. Why do you think she didn't react? I think, back to what Christian said, she's able to, like, keep, like, keep her composure when things are, like... Not reality. Like, this is something she's watching, and she's enjoying it, and it's, like, a tourney, and it's there for a show. So I think that she's able, like, to put a different face forward when it's stuff like that, because she's trying to impress other people, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's why she didn't react, because she's trying to play that role. I think she's got a really strong side that she does. people don't know about yet, mm -hmm. and I think that's coming out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take it all the way back to chapter one. Reverse. Oh, boy. Reverse, reverse. <laughs> Bran, when he had to watch the man get beheaded. Oh, yeah. Ned is instilled in all of these wow. kids of strength. Wow. Yeah. And all of them. I like that. Strung. I like that. So, you know, don't remember if dad... Uh, don't let dad see you look away. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, my gosh. So, it kind of goes back to chapter one with that. I think that it's just... It's a stark thing. And it surprised her that she didn't look away, right? She's surprised that, you know, oh, I didn't look away. Yeah, she like, because that's instilled in her. I think she, like, impressed herself. She's yeah. like, whoa. Yeah. Yep. I can do that? <laughs> it's she's like a lot stronger. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot, yeah. She's a lot stronger than she thinks yeah. she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's because of her father. Did you have something to say? I don't know if we are. No, I mean, you covered what I, what I said earlier. Exactly. Yeah. She's just, I mean, 
Mm-hmm. She's a kid. Yeah. Um, but she has strong sides, and she was able to do that. Yeah. And it didn't affect her, but when it affects her. Yeah. For sure. Our next question is, why do we think Joffrey is being so nice after being attacked by Numeria? I think he's a little bit scared. I think he wants to keep her under his thumb. Like, yeah. I'm going to agree with Emily on that one. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. it was the jealous reason. I think that I think he was showed up by Sir Loras, and so he was like, well, well, now I'm going to be nice, and I'm yeah. going to be the one <laughs> showing up. I kind of think he's just being told that that's what he has to do. I like, I like Christian's answer. I think he's... I think he's, like, marking his territory. Like, this is my lady, mm-hmm. not yours. Yeah. How dare you call her beautiful? How dare you give her a rose? And yeah. I think he is scared, too. Like, I think there's, like, some fear factor there mm-hmm. as far as, like, I don't want to lose her. And also, like, that was scary. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to even he's think about it. <laughs> Somebody yelled at me. <laughs> so our next question, it can be, this is probably going to be a little complicated one, but we'll see how we can get to it. But what do we make of Sandor and Gregor Clegane, and why do we think that Sandor opened up to Sansa. Besides him being drunk. Okay, so can we can we go around and do the first part of that question first? So what yeah. do we make of Sandor and Gregor Clegane? <laughs> I think there's a lot to unpack in that relationship. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to learn a lot more as the story goes on. Because mm-hmm. it was very traumatic what mm-hmm. happened to Sandor. And I think there's a lot more there than we see and we know. I think looking at family history um, and seeing, you know, them cover up Gregor's atrocities and seeing where, um, you know, and, and them continuing to empower him by obviously putting him in these tourneys and then being like, oh, that person died because their armor wasn't on, right? You know, yeah. like, they're just really empowering him to be the horrible person that he is and the Lannisters are helping this. Mm-hmm. And the fact alone that Gregor has to be. Uh, that Sandor has to be pulled along for this. It's just kind of it, we're gonna see more mm-hmm. of them conflicting with each other. This isn't a good relationship. No, clearly, yeah. clearly. But you know, yeah, I think it's a little bit more than sibling rivalry. Like I don't know, live like I would hit you as a kid, but I never <laughs> stuck your face in a fire. No. It's a little so, more hitting me is a little more forgivable than right. burning my face. Right. So there's clearly something. There's there. a lot there. Yeah. Yeah. From just hearing what how like how Sandor talks about Gregor, it sounds like um, they're more just enemies living as brothers. Mm-hmm. Like it's they yeah. don't have any actual blood. Like and it's a trauma for Sandor. Yeah. What happened to him? Yeah. No. You know. So, for no reason. By yeah. the way, for no reason that that happened to him. He picked up a toy that wasn't his. Yeah. That's it. How dare you? Yeah. You stick your face on fire. Yeah. Um, and... Okay, and then why did what? he open up to Sansa? Besides being drunk. I think he has... I think he takes pity on Sansa. Mm-hmm. I think he's... I think he feels a little bit like he has to protect her because she doesn't really know what she's getting herself into. And he knows Joffrey mm-hmm. more than Sansa does and knows what she's getting herself into. So I think he's taking pity on her and, like, trying to protect her. I think so, too. I think he might actually see a friend that is an outsider just as he feels himself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another thing. We've seen that before with Arya and Jon, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's another thing where she feels, or he feels like an outsider being in that situation anyways. Because obviously his brother is the, you know, is the knight that everyone likes. Right. he's the... Right. Yeah, I completely agree. I think he sees something in her, and I think he sees that she can take it. Mm -hmm. Like, 
I mean, we saw that she was unfazed by, you know, the whole jousting thing. Like, she, she's got some strong spirit to her, and I think oh, yeah. he sees that so she can take it. It's the north in her. Yeah. I think uh, um, her being from the north and everything, I think that she she might not be fit to be a lady, and she's, he sees that, so he's <laughs> like, be better than what you are taught to be. Yeah. Be stronger than that. He's trying to help her out. Well, not too. a lady of the south, but yeah. a lady of the north. Be a lady yeah. of the north. Be a, yeah. be a northerner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Besides, he was drunk as well. I think that's, yeah. that's, and that that's, played the most important. That's the most role. important. But when you're drunk, you get you're more honest. <laughs> Little so. liquid courage here, yeah. and he was out of his shell. <laughs> For sure. Okay. So please answer our questions um, if you feel so inclined. Otherwise, our Tyrion tidbit today is: I try to know as many people as I can. You never know which one you'll need. That's some solid advice. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's that's very solid good. advice. It's who you know. Yes. Yeah. All right, guys, make sure you follow us on all of our social media. On Facebook, we have a page, uh, Game of Wines, A Song of Ice and Fire podcast. We also have a Facebook group, which we have a lot of fun on. We share memes and funny videos. You can follow that at Game of Wines podcast group. We are on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Game of Wines 1. And we are also on YouTube at Game of Wines podcast. That is it for this week's episode of Game of Wines. Next episode, we will be discussing Eddard Chapter 7. So make sure you read that before next episode. Thanks for listening.